Aloha. Wanted to begin this morning with just a, a cool experience for me. Um, when, when, when I was in the mainland for 12 years, we lived uh, part of most of our time in Las Vegas, Nevada, where I came to know Jesus and where I became a follower of Christ, uh, where I also met Lane. Uh, but, but Lane was not from originally from Las Vegas, Nevada. Lane is originally from the South. How many of you know when I say South, I'm not talking South Pacific, right? And uh, uh, we talk about the Bible Belt, right? And all that. So Lane is from a small little town called Chevel, uh, actually Shelbyville, right? But Chevel, Tennessee. That's the way they would say it. But every year, right, uh, Chevel, Tennessee would host a, a celebration called the Tennessee Walking Horse National Celebration. Now, now these horses, it's not, not the kind of horses we know here in the islands, right? It, it's, it's interesting because moving there, being a part of a different culture, and you're not used to, the, the first thing you do is you make what out of it? You make fun out of it, right? You've never been to the culture before. So, so I was wondering, what's so, what's so cool about horses walking, right? That's what they do, right? And I, but it's interesting because when they walk, there's a certain technique and formation on how they walk. It's not just a standard gallop, but they actually get their knees high in the air, the front knees. And people from all over the world, even Iran, would come and show off their walking. Yeah, here's a picture. A walking horse, right? As a football coach, I wish our football boys could get their knees up that high, right? Maybe they wouldn't get tackled by the grass. Can I get a witness, right? Like, like, like Friday night's game. And, and that's the reality. I said, what's so cool? Like Airbnb, VRBO, they, they're all tight that day because... Because, man, that town is literally just filled with celebration. This is the redneck version of our Merry Monarch. Can I get a witness out there, right? For real. But, but like, when I went there, like, yeah, okay, the organ is cool, that old pipe organ right in the middle of the field. That's cool. Okay, walking a horse, okay. All right, that's cool and all that. But, like, like for me... I didn't get nothing out of that. My wife loves it and all that. It's a cultural thing for her. And so I love my wife and I want her to be happy. So I want to be happy. So I'm going to go with her and be happy with her. Amen. Hallelujah. Right. And so something changed my perspective, my viewpoint. Hawaiians, you ready? Look at this next picture. This changed my life. This is another redneck version of a Portuguese malasada right here. Okay, lines. This donut comes from the pearly gates of heaven, all right? When you put this bugger in your mouth, all right, that bugger just sizzles in a weird sizzling way and it melts that, all that sugar. If you are diabetic, you have to take your shot a couple times that day, all right? Just to indulge into this. And, uh, man, this changed my viewpoint, right, of why it was so important to be at this celebration. <laughs> like, I don't get the whole walking horse thing. I don't get the whole organ playing thing. And thousands of people, I mean, this town is smaller than Hilo. This, this town is Chevro. It's considered to have 15,000 people. Hilo triples that, right? 
quadruples that. But on this any given weekend in the fall, man, people from all over the world is here for these horses and this 1% Hawaiian in Smith, in not Smith County, Bradford County, Tennessee, is enjoying this glorious donut, right? So the whole, like, why do everybody like this? Oh, I get it now. This donut is action, brother. You know what I'm saying? This donut, like, like there is so much joy in this donut. And I want you to see this. We've been walking through the gospel of Mark the last month or so, verse by verse. And we've been seeing this beautiful picture of God's grace through his precious son. We've seen how Jesus demonstrated to us why baptism was important. We've seen that salvation wasn't found in the water, but salvation was found in the Savior who demonstrated a symbolic picture of our relationship with the Father through Christ. Then we see a, a different platform where Jesus is put in the wilderness, right? He was driven up by the Holy Spirit. And he experienced temptation for 40 days. And we see this beautiful gospel application on what happens when the devil attacks us, like how he attacks Jesus. And Jesus the hero, right? Not man the hero, but Jesus the hero, the, the stand-alone hero, does what we don't do. And therefore, we have to exegete the text. And the text says this. He quoted scriptures three times and released the devil from his presence. Can I get a witness there, right? Immediately, Jesus went to the town of Galilee. And there he lived life. He engaged the city, right? And then the week, last week, we learned that he didn't just engage the city by means of gimmicks like how us church people will do it today. All the fancy t-shirts and wristbands and all that and all the county fairs like uh, block party-like events and all that. He reached people by way of relationships. He called his first disciples. And it was cool because you see a progressive movement of the gospel of Mark in the response of these disciples. They, they weren't sugar-coating people. It says that they immediately dropped everything they were doing. They left their father, right, and their father's help. And in Hawaii, right, you leave your father, you're going to get cracks after that, right? Like they never care about the cracks, all right, because that's how important and vibrant it was to follow Christ. Like it was that sweet donut, right, at this weird horse celebration, okay? Like, like does not make sense in some senses, but when God calls us, right, it is irresistible to reject. Why? Because we've never seen no good outside of him, right? And there is joy in what we're walking through. And so I want us to look at our text. And I want to look at our text in the lens of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ from death to life. And I want us to respond to our text as we continue through our verse-by-verse -verse study through the gospel of Mark. So would you stand with me in the reading of our verses today? I want us to see this. I want us to take, like, we value God's word. Amen? And the way we value it is one of the ways we sing praises to our king, but we also stand in the proclamation and reading of the word. And so what a, what a beautiful opportunity to show God our immediate response right now in standing in the declaration of his word. It says in verse 21, 
And they went into Capernaum. And what? What? Immediately. See that word all through the Gospel of Mark. Immediately on the Sabbath, Jesus entered the synagogue and was teaching. And they were astonished at his what? Teaching. For he taught them as one who had authority and not as the scribes. And immediately there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit. And that man cried out and said, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know you. I know who you are. Say it with me. The Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit, convulsing him and crying out with a loud voice, came out of him. And they were all amazed, so that they questioned among themselves, saying, What is this? A new teaching with authority? He commands even the unclean spirits, and they what? Obey him. And at once his fame spread everywhere throughout all the surrounding reign of Galilee. God, I pray this would be contextualized to Hilo this today. Ma'aina, my mokonui, our people, Lord, may they hear clearly the gospel of Jesus Christ. May our hearts be cut. May we experience you today by way of your word, by way of your spirit. Lord, may we be worshipers of both spirit and truth. And God, may we literally not go through the motions of church this morning. We rebuke that in Jesus' name. Have your way. Not that you need our permission, but we're just affirming that you're sovereign and you're going to have your way this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. God's ohana says, The background of this text is very clear and simple. Jesus is headed up north to the area of Galilee, uh, Galilee called a town called Capernaum. On the Sabbath, he enters the synagogue, and there's a Sabbath worship going on. It's usually from Friday evening to Saturday evening when the sun goes down. And so we see a beautiful uh, picture of what the synagogue did in small little towns like Capernaum. Yes, there was the major temple in Jerusalem, but in the outskirt towns of all Judea and Israel, we have these small little pockets of synagogue where people went there to worship the Lord, where they did church, where they did businesses, where they had education, where they had community gatherings. It was a place of community. And so we see the small little synagogue representing the traditional views and worship of Judea, Jew, uh, Jewish worship. It's basically our, our church building of the day. Are you with me? We see this background. Jesus goes to this religious sect. He, and then Jesus answers a very beautiful text. So our, my message today is entitled, Why Jesus? Like, why Jesus? Like, like, it's easy in an American context and culture, especially in Hawaii, where the gospel has been ravaged, has ravished this era in a good way in the 1800s. We're not a post-Christian kingdom, right? Now we're part of the United States of America. Whatever your viewpoint is on that, we're not a post-Christian region. The gospel has come here. 
Therefore, why Jesus, right? Understanding the history of Hawaii, that this kingdom was stolen by the same Christians who brought the gospel here. Therefore, why Jesus? Why trust in the gospel where white men came here, taught us about not to steal, but therefore three generations after that, their third generation steals the most precious jewel to our Kanaka Maoli, the kingdom. The kingdom. And then the queen would respond in a rightful way versus these third generation missionaries. The Hawaiian queen who was sold out for Jesus, who by genealogy came to know Christ because the true gospel was preached to her. She understood that if the Kanaka Maoli would fight against the Americans, we would lose because of, all, because of the weaponry. That the Americans had. And today, if you are a follower of Jesus, and you part Kanaka Maole, like me, all right, you have to view through the lens of the true gospel, right, and not culture or context primarily. Because if you view it through that lens, it's going to be hard for you to grow in Christ. Amen? you got to understand the gospel unites, not divides. The gospel brings lostness into eternity. The gospel, right? Because the gospel does what men cannot do. The gospel does what men think they can do, but therefore we create cults and sects and religion that allows us to disengage with the gospel. Therefore, we get politically inclined. So when there's politics going on all week about Kavanaugh and this young lady, we have all different kind of views, but our state stance in politics should never, listen to me, our stance in politics should never be primary to our stance in the gospel. Like it's one thing for you to be Republican and to be Democratic, and I believe both sides can have Christian values and Christian believers. It's a whole other thing to be mean and divisive and ungodly and unpure at heart. Does that make sense? So Jesus is in a context where people are experiencing some similar transitions as the Hawaiians. The Jews are taken over by the Roman court. Rome rules all the world at this point, right? But they are, they are able to express their culture and their heritage in the name of Jehovah, Yahweh, Elohim, Adonai, in ways that is so beautiful in our text. <coughs> so when we look at this question, why Jesus, right? Well, let's look at the verse. Let's exegete the text. Why Jesus? Number one, because of what Jesus says. Can I get a witness? Look at the text. It says this. Our verses tell us that Jesus was an astonishing teacher. Mark does not focus on the actual message in our text because Mark is a, is a fast-moving gospel, but we understand that Jesus came to proclaim the gospel of God, as we've seen a couple scriptures ago in our text of chapter 1. As much as Mark emphasized, listen to me, on the messenger himself. I'm concerned that this morning in Hilo, people are focusing on the wrong message when they should focus on the right messenger. We see this, that John the Baptist prepares the way of the Lord, the greatest messenger of all, Jesus. Jesus comes and he drops some bombs, right? In some senses that people's lives are changed. Men and women are following him immediately. People were amazed by how Jesus preached the gospel. 
People were amazed and astonished. The word is the word astonished, amazed, how Jesus proclaimed the message of God. Why? Because he spoke, he spoke with authority. He spoke with power. The Greek word dunamis, where we get the English word dynamite. It's, it's thinking blew things up. Can I get a witness, right? It blew religion up. <coughs> and what does this mean? Well, let's look at a scribe's approach versus Jesus' approach. Scribes read and taught through the Old Testament very scholarly, very scripturally, but they did it as an extension of, them, of their faith and in traditional means. Are you with me? Jesus came, right? Listen to me. And Jesus taught scripture as a personal revelation of himself. Brother, right, a bug of dropping bombs right now, Hines. Hines, you imagine. You come and I will speak people style, right? local style, right? You imagine, yeah? Everybody learning a certain way of the gospel, right? The Jewish Torah, right? The old law. Jesus comes on the scene, and it's not an extension, right? Like the scribes. But it's a personal revelation of himself. He is proclaiming. You know that Messiah, that anointed one that was being proclaimed for the last 1,500 years, right? That's me, brothers. That's me, sisters, right? That, that, that's the MVP of the Super Bowl right there. Like Jesus is speaking with authority. Jesus is speaking with honor. Jesus, Jesus is speaking with righteousness because, listen to me, he is God in the flesh. He is not just a prophet. He's not just a good man, as Islam says. He is God in the flesh. This is what Christianity teaches us, right? That God does what we could never do to him for ourselves. Jesus came on this earth to live the life you and I could not live and pay the price you and I could not pay for. Therefore, Jesus is all fully man and God. And as we receive that manao today, it is by his authority that we can receive that honor, that he is God. Look at this. And John makes it clear in the Gospel of John. John makes seven statements that is connection with Exodus when God calls Moses to himself. God on Mount Sinai, you may know the story. God calls Moses in a burning bush, and he tells him, brother, go to Egypt, go, go set your brothers and sisters free, okay? All right, go over there, tell him the Lord your God sent you, right? And, so, and, and, and actually, he didn't even say that. He said, Moses uh, cuts off God a little bit and says, hey, uh, so I won't go there. Who I gonna say when send me? Right? You think like, okay, Moses, tell him I am sent you. Can you imagine brother Moses right now? Right? Junk. It's just like pastoring, right? Starting one new church four years ago. Like, okay, I'm gonna go to Hilo Hawaii, been gone for 12 years. I know like, God, what do you like me to do? I says, Hey, say, I am sent you. And then John wraps up this revelation of Jesus inside the gospel of John. And he compliments Mark, brother Mark, with what 
what Jesus says about himself. So there's seven I am statements that God fulfills through Jesus from when Moses was talked about in Exodus. You guys ready? Oh my God, God. It says this, the seven I am statements. Number one, in John 6, it says, Jesus called himself, I am the what? Bread of life. In connection with the Exodus, right? Uh, in uh, John 8, we see Jesus saying, I am the what? The light of the world. This is the gospel. That he, Jesus is not an extension of the gospel, but rather Jesus is the gospel. He is the good message. He is the Christ. He is the Messiah. He is the anointed one. John 10 proclaims that Jesus is what? The, the, the door, right? I am the door, right? That is the way we get to know God the Father is through Christ. Um, John, John chapter 10 as well talks about that Jesus is the what? He is the good shepherd. Why does he say that? Because there's bad shepherds. There's bad pastors. There's hypocrite churches. There's hypocrite leaders. And, and you may say, oh, yeah, pastor. Yeah, there is. Well, I'm talking about you too. It's easy to point the finger at somebody as an extension of our hypocrisy when in all reality we have the common sin as them, and that is hypocrisy itself. Every one of us. That it's, not okay, it's not okay to stay there, but the gospel teaches us that God is the good shepherd. He goes on in John 11, and he says, I am the what? Resurrect, resurrection and life, right? That, that the gospel teaches death. And the gospel teaches life, right? Through Christ. In number, uh, there's a number six statement. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I mean, in, in understanding John 3, 16, when he says, for God so loved the world, right? He gave his only son. You got to understand John 14. When, when he says that, that, that uh, for God so loved the world, he says, this is the only way I love the world. Right, right? He's talking about the, 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 the first world, the past world. You know, which was good. He's talking about the fallen world, right, which is horrible. And now he's talking about the extended world in the future, uh, which will be redeemed. God is talking about, here's the way I love the world, through my son. Well, I get an emotional thinking about that, yeah? He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Finally, in, in John 16, many of us know this. He says, I am the what? Vine. He's the one that connects the dots. He's the one that brings our opala right through his spirit, right, and make it porno with the Lord, make it clean with the Lord. He is the one that connects the Jesus. Listen to me. Jesus, I want you to hear this. Jesus connects the dot with the written word and the living word. Hear me out. Scripture being the written word, what we have today, right, and Jesus himself being the living word. Jesus even says in John, look at, look at this. He says this about the doubters. John 5, he says, you search the scriptures because you think that, I, that in them alone you have eternal life. And it is they that bear witness, help me out, Hines, about who? Me. Like you put all your effort in the scriptures. But what you're missing out is that scripture is not just there for just reasons to be there. The scripture is there because it talks about me. How can I pray, right, correctly if I don't understand a correct view of scripture and God? There is the written word and there is the living word. Look, 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 look. I want you to see how the scribes. Oh, none of those scribes were legalists. 
Scribes were hypocrites. Scribes were prideful. And this still exists in the church today. Again, we can look at the scribes and point the finger at the scribes in here. When in all reality, we could all be scribes in here. Legalists, hypocrites, prideful people. And still, this will never please God or honor God. That's why we look to Jesus, who is perfect. And this is something I struggle with in my own life, right? I begin to see people's lack of commitment in God's mission. Therefore, it's easy for me as a pastor to become very legalistic, very hypocritical, and very prideful. We're all guilty of that. Every one of us. So here's our biblical truth for us. The scripture, the written word, points us to Jesus, the living word. Hallelujah. Well, Jesus, the living word, helps us to better understand who he is through scripture, the written word. Listen, they work hand in hand, Hawaiian. They work hand in hand. John 1, 1, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and word was what? Was God. Scriptures down the road says this, and, and, and God dwelt among us as flesh. Jesus was here. We, we see this beautiful picture. How can we know Jesus? How can we worship Jesus? How can we pray to Jesus? How can we honor Jesus? Do missions to share with people about Jesus, right? It's through a right understanding of Scripture, the written word, and Jesus, the living word. This is how Jesus makes himself known to us. So when, why Jesus? Because Jesus has said some, some, some simple things that allows us, listen to me, to hear him for who he is. God. God. Why Jesus? Because of what he says. But number two, why Jesus? Because of what he does. Can I get a witness, right? Thank God Jesus is not like us Hawaiians, right? We, we promise some things and we don't fall through. Right? We're going to follow up with it, yeah? We actually fall through the whole, yeah? Right? That's the reality, yeah? It, it, that's all of us, right? We have a lack of commitment, all right? I understand this. For us, we like be part of church on our time. We like be a part of the mission on our time. When we're tired and when we're down, we, we like isolate ourselves from the same body Christ has died from. This is a worldwide issue. Hebrews 10 verse 24 and 25 talks about it, that people forsake the gathering of the saints. Then they will use excuses, but, but it's not a church building and all that. Why do you have to fight the matter in, in, the, in the first place? Why can't you just gather? What is a true gathering? A true gathering is one that's led by ordained kahus, that's biblical, that, that, that lives practical truths, uh, uh, that has people who are submit to the authority of Scripture. Therefore, they're going to submit to godly leadership. Are you with me? This is why being a part of a church, right, attending a, surf, a service versus belonging to a body is two different things. There's a difference between attending and belonging. How do I know people attend, right? This is how I know they're attending Christians. You ready? When you see them once in a while. How do I know they belong? They are actively involved in the mission of God through the establishment of the scriptures. You cannot say you follow Jesus and you don't follow the setup that God has ordained for you to live out to glorify his name. 
We got to hear what he, he says, but we actually also got to hear what he does. What does Jesus do? He fellowships with these people. He, he's in the synagogue. He's teaching the word. I want you to see what verses 23 says again. It says this, and immediately, immediately meaning without hesitation, <coughs> there was in their synagogue a man with a what? Unclean spirit. Another word for this was he was demon possessed. He was demon possessed. Look at this. And that demon possessed man, the demon in him said this, and he cried out. What I have, and he says this, what have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know, all right, I want us to stop this, right? The demons say this, I know, meaning demons know Jesus and scripture, thank you very much, who you are. And he proclaims it, the Holy One of God. The demon proclaims, listen to me, Jesus Christ, here's the powerful one, as Lord and Savior. The one who disobeyed him before the foundations of the earth in the war that happened in heaven as Isaiah and Ezekiel proclaim, right? He knows. And he knows he has no, he, the fallen angels, demons, has no opportunity to, to gain Jesus in a relationship back. So he's doing what he's now created to do. Help, help humanity fall. And I want you to see how Jesus responds to this demon, right? Look at this. Jesus rebukes the demon. This is something that, that us Baptists have stopped using. Because the Pentecostal church has scared off people with it, right? No. Rebuke is a biblical thing for gospel-centered people. Jesus rebukes. He says, be silent and come out of him. Now look at the demon's response. The demon, he throws the man into a physical spasm. And breakdown. This is the only time we don't see in this conversation the word immediately. There is a fight. There is a battle. There is a war going on in this man. And then now look at the demon's response. Eventually, right, he throws the man into this spasm, but this is spiritual warfare at its finest. The demon tries to keep his domain by staying in the man, the spasm, right? It's just like Puna, right? What do you mean by that? House squatting, right? We have issues in Puna. In, in rental homes, right? And abandoned homes. We have a lot of issues with people just squatting in the house. They don't belong in there. That's not their domain. They're illegally occupying that vicinity, right? Just like how America may be illegally occupying this kingdom. All right, now, now, now check this out. Here's where the gospel comes in, right? Jesus, the gospel, rebukes that out. Just as the authorities have to go and take those squatters out of the home, Jesus does, hear me out, what we cannot do in and of ourselves. He displays not just what he says, but what he does, and he calls out that demon to come out of the man. And here's the glorious power of the gospel, right? That demon comes out. <laughs> 